Right, <clears throat> thank you very much for, for joining me. Uh, today we're going to talk about the gods and goddesses of the Bible. Um, this is a, a subject that um, I've been interested in for, for a while. Um, so these are the, this is what we're going to cover tonight. Um, so we're doing a quick introduction. We'll talk about who are the gods of the Bible. We're going to talk about the heavenly council or the, the divine council, as it uh, is also known. Uh, we'll talk about the transition to monotheism. And then we're going to talk about the, the, the problem that Christianity has uh, and, and um, uh, polytheism. And then we'll go into any questions. So who am I? Uh, some, of, uh, some of you may know me. Um, I'm Paul Wilson. I'm a historian, folklorist, artist and storyteller, writer. Um, my wheelhouse is, or, or my specialty is actually early medieval, uh, uh, what we used to call Anglo-Saxon, um, and, and the, the, the transition from paganism to, to Christianity is, is where I did my dissertation. So this subject is kind of out of my wheelhouse, um, but I thought it, it's something that I'm quite interested in. I am by no means uh, an expert um, and uh, th there are some assumptions made um, and as with all these things. Uh, uh, what this isn't, I thought I'd, I'd start with, which is this isn't a statement of faith in any way, shape or form. It is not about tearing down anyone's belief system. It's not about trying to destroy Judaism, Christianity, um, Islam, or anything like that that is based on the Abrahamic faiths. It has nothing to do with uh, belief or has nothing to do with religion insofar as what people believe. So this is not anti-anything. This is not about that at all. Um, and as I said, this is kind of outside my wheelhouse and so and i'm not an expert and so i guess it begs the question why am i going to talk about this i'm going to talk about it because um it's something that fascinates me it's something that came about uh, as part of my own um i guess self-discovery uh you know we all go through crises of faith um you know we, we're all brought up in 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 whatever um religious world or non-religious you know and, and we i think we all come to a point where we, we question what we believe and to to grab answers we we start delving and, and and picking at things i went down the the route of trying to work out why christianity is the way it is and that that led me down the path of becoming a historian and uh then later on I, I wanted to know why monotheism is the way it is or, or, or this version, I guess the Abrahamic version of monotheism is the way it is. And uh, there, there were things in the Bible that sort of made me, made me ask questions. Well, there's lots of things that made me ask questions, but on this particular subject. So let's, let's jump into the first topic. Who are the gods of the Bible? Let's talk about that for a little bit. Um, and, I, and I use the word plural, uh, you know, gods, rather than 
uh, who is the God. So before we jump into those, let's talk about the, the questions, the things that made me ask questions. So I've got a few Bible verses here. And it all started uh, with the Ten Commandments. And it's very clear in there. God says, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. I thought to myself, why is he saying no other gods? If he is God... Why would he compare himself to something else that doesn't exist? Why wouldn't he just say, there is just me? That's it. And then I started digging around a little bit more. And in Exodus 15, 11, Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? 1 Kings eight twenty three. Lord God of Israel, there is no God in heaven above you or on earth below like you. And uh, 2 Samuel 7.22 How great you are, O Lord God, for there is none like you, and there is no God but you, according to everything we have heard with our own ears. So if you put that in context, it's basically saying there's no other God but you because that's what you've told us. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's true. And we'll talk a little bit about the honesty of God or the, the this particular God as, as we, we talk a little bit because although everyone's... The, the modern idea of God is that he never lies and he is just love but he does lie he does tell whoppers uh, and he lets lies happen and things so um, I thought that was an interesting one and uh, let's uh, go to uh, Exodus 12 12 now this is this is very very interesting um Exodus is always seen as a story about uh, the triumph of Moses and uh, the, the the Jewish people getting out of Egypt. And it is. But it's also a story of God. And, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I will get into the name of God a bit later. So I'm just using God as... A, as a um, a blanket term. And then it says, I am the Lord your God who brought you, uh, sorry, everyone one. <laughs> uh, on that night, and this is, this is God's word, this is what God says. He, is, he says, so on that night, I will pass through the land of Egypt and strike down every firstborn male, both man and beast, and I will execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt. So this story is just as much about the Hebrew God 
showing that he is more powerful than the other gods out there. So I, keep coming, I kept coming back to this question. Why would God compare himself to imaginary gods? By comparing himself to um, something that's imaginary, it diminishes his power. That would be like if we take the New Testament, Jesus talking about, or, or someone talking about Jesus defeating a, uh, a giant pink elephant. It kind of makes no logical sense. Now, there's one last thing, which I think is really important. Um, and again, this is uh, in, in Exodus 20, 23. You are not to make any gods alongside me. You are not to make yourself gods of silver or gold. So what does that mean? What, what is he saying? So you have to understand uh, the idea of idols. Um, it was very common to build an idol and then they would go through a ritual of opening the mouth of the, the, of the idol so that the spirit of the God could be contained in there. And that's what he's talking about here. He's saying, don't make these idols and let other gods in because he is a jealous God. Now, why would he be a jealous God if he has nothing to be jealous of? So that's what I want to set. These were the things that triggered those questions for me. And then I started my, um, my investigation. And I started reading. And I started looking at archaeological papers. And I started reading what other people, other research. And this is what brought me to here. So we're going to do a, a talk about, um, as I said, we're, we're going to talk about the gods of the Bible. And, and to do that, we need to understand the, the words that are being used. Words that when finally translated into English, they get conflated and they get merged together and you lose context and things like that. Because if you think about it, in some cases... Uh, the English Bible or any, any modern translation of Bible of the Bible can be a translation of a translation of a translation. So, you know, some of it was written in ancient Hebrew, then translated to uh, Greek, and then sometimes some to Latin, and then into English. You know, so that whenever you do these translations, they change. But also, of course, um, the, 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 and we're going to focus mostly on the, the Old Testament. But of course, uh, these series of books uh, were not just written down. They were oral traditions and they were uh, stories that were borrowed from uh, other Canaanite um, uh, tribes. And they were molded and changed. And, you know, classic stories like um, Noah and things like that were borrowed by Gil from the Epic of Gilgamesh and all that sort of stuff. Even the Psalms, one of the Psalms was even written by a pharaoh, Akhenaten, and just borrowed and put into to the Bible. So let's start with some definitions. Let's, let's, let's start with the Elohim. 
What are the Elohim? The Elohim are uh, now is is used as a description of a name of God. But actually, it can mean God's plural. The Elohim, the divine gods. Now, there's a there's a heavenly hierarchy that some people will be surprised actually exists. Right at the very top, there's El, the mightiest of the gods, the father of the gods. And oh, I have uh, not. There we go. Sorry, there's Elohim. Sorry. Uh, and uh, so here we go. So here's the heavenly hierarchy. Sorry about that. I forgot that I was changing slides. So here we go. Uh, and there's there's deliberate blank spots in here simply because I there is. I don't have that information or the information that there's just way too much to cover. So I'm, I'm summarizing and to indicate that there are other things, other characters and so forth. But here we have at the very top, we have Asherah and El, the, the El, the father God, the, the, the king of the gods, the, the, the great sky daddy, if you, if you will. Um, and Asherah, his wife, under them, you then have their, their children, Yahweh, Baal, and, you know, other gods that, um, and, then, and then under that, the third level down, which some people will be surprised to see that, you know, angels are not as far up the, the list. You know, the angels sit underneath these, the, these secondary gods, the Satan, or Satan, as we call it, is not so much a, a, a fallen angel as the Satan was a, a, a job title, but we'll get onto that in a little bit. And then other divine beings and spirits and things like that. And, that, and that's the, the heavenly hierarchy. So let's talk about um, L in more detail. As I said, oops. Uh, L, the, the, the father. Um, of the gods, the sky father, and and you hear the name L a lot. You know, you'll hear L at the end of a lot of the angels' name: Michael, Samael, Azrael, etc., etc. Um, and even in the name Israel, 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 uh, L is in there. Um. And as I said, we, we have, we, the Bible even talks about the sons of God, the sons of El, the Bene, uh, the, the Bene Elion, or um, uh, Bene Elohim. And, the, and, and in, in Job 1.6, it says, Now there was a day when the sons of God, or the, uh, the Bene Elion, of God came to present present themselves before the Lord, El, and the Satan also came among them. The Lord said to the Satan, "From where have you come?" 
Satan answered to the Lord and said, From going to and from on the earth and from walking up and down on it. And the Lord said to the Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? That there is none like him on earth and the blameless and the upright man who fears God and turns away from evil? Then the Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God? And and th- this goes on. And basically, the Satan is talking to El and saying, uh, almost as an equal. And this will bring us into, um, a little bit further down, when we talk about um, the, the heavenly council. So let's talk about God's wife, El's wife, Asherah, pretty much uh, expunged out of history. Uh, she was the mother goddess, the goddess of El. Sometimes, and we will talk a little bit, this is where things will get confusing, because later on we will see, and certainly in some of these references, you will see her referred to as the wife of, of Yahweh. And when we get into the part where we talk about going from polytheism to monotheism, there is a conflation of El and Yahweh. They become the same God. And that's all to do with the, um, the two parts of Israel, you know, the, the two kingdoms. You had Israel and you also had Judah. And when they became one nation, they conflated these two gods. So although I'm talking about Asherah as the wife of El here, also keep in mind that we will also talk about her as the, as the, the wife of Yahweh because they do become conflated. She's called the Queen of Heaven. Um, and we know she existed. We found uh, idols of her all through the... Um, uh, Judea and uh, ancient Israel. She was kept in homes. She was kept in temples. Um, there, there's a temple in uh, Tel Arad where they have two stones. One is of El and one is for Asherah in the holiest of holies. She's often depicted holding her breasts um, and depict, and sometimes depicted holding bread. Uh, another way of depicting her is a, uh, being described as an Asherah pole or a timber statuette and uh, has been associated with a tree and a tree of life, which I find it fascinating when you start thinking about Genesis and the creation myth and, and all that sort of stuff. So what evidence do we have of Asherah? As I said, we have um, archaeological evidence. And um, this is one of my favourites. This is the picture for the, the, this is one of my pictures of her. Um, she's the one on the right here. Um, left is El or, or in this case, Yahweh. And the, the writing says, I have blessed you by Yahweh of Samaria and his Asherah. And it's really important 
that in a lot of the to to realize that in a lot of these references you'll hear that Yah it's called the Yahweh is called Yahweh of Samaria or Syria and places like that because Yahweh and the other gods that sat under El they were given parts of the earth to rule over and the early references make clear that that's where they're from um there is there was a a sculpture that was found from the 8th century BCE and um, it says on there blessed is Yurihoa who is the, the the prince who this is dedicated by Yahweh and his Asherah um, which indicates that Yahweh and Asherah were married But then something changes. Well, well, just before that, there, so, something changes. Now, in a very, very early text of Deuteronomy, uh, it actually said, which has now been, there's one line being removed, but it actually said, Yahweh came from Sinai and shone forth from his own sire. He showed himself from the Mount Pana. Yea, he came amongst the myriads and at his right hand of his own Asherah. Indeed, he who loved the clans and all his holy ones on his left. So that line and his right hand has just been taken out in the later, in the later versions. The, the, and his right hand and his own Asher was just basically taken out. So something changed. And then we see in Jeremiah 7, 16 to 20, something has changed with the worship of Asherah. They've, they've, they've now decided to take her out. The sons gather wood and the fathers light the fire and the women knead the dough to make their cakes and bread for the queen of heaven. They pour out drink offerings and other gods to provoke me to anger, is what God says. So he's saying, don't, no longer, don't worship these, these other gods and, and, and this, the queen of heaven because it angers me. Jeremiah 44, 15 to 19 says, uh, instead, he will do everything he vowed to do. He will burn incense to the Queen of Heaven and offer drink offerings to her, just as we, our fathers, our kings and our officials did in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem. So it's very obvious <laughs> that they were, were worshipping Asherah in Jerusalem. 1 Kings 18.9 says, um, Now summon all Israel and meet me on the mountain, Mount Carmel, along with the four-headed and fifty prophets of Baal and the four hundred prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So again, both parts of, 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 of the... the um, the, the Jewish kingdoms are both 
quite obviously um, still uh, worshipping Asherah. They, they, they wouldn't have, the, the writers of the Bible or the, the, the priests wouldn't have, have said, don't do it if people weren't doing it. And uh, Deuteronomy 16.21 Do not set up any wooden Asherah pole next to the altar you will build for the Lord our, your God. And do not set up for yourselves a sacred pillar which the Lord your God hates. Basically saying, you know those temples that you have <laughs> where you put up a, a, a devotion to Asherah next to me? I'm not having any of it. And I don't know if there was a divorce going on. I'm not sure. But something changed. And then lastly, 1 Kings 14, 23. They also built for them themselves high places, sacred pillars and Asherah poles on every high hill and under every green tree. So the evidence is right there. So let's move along and, and talk about Yahweh. Son of El and Asherah, although, as I said, uh, in those references, because, because these references are much later than um, the, the references in the Bible that were written are much later than the original um, ideas, El and Yahweh have been conflated. But earlier on, son of El and Asherah, and he was a great storm god. And we know he was a storm god and a war god because he was often depicted holding a mallet. And um, we also, and, uh, and also a, a bow and arrow. And insofar as, as he even says it in, at the end of uh, the great flood, he puts in the actual, so he puts his bow, his magical bow in the sky to become the rainbow to say that he'll never flood these people again. So he was a, a very, he was seen as a powerful God. And as I said, <coughs> he was given the Hebrew people or, or you know, that the, the, the Canaanites and um, Israel to rule over by the, the great, um, the great sky father, El. Onto uh, Baal. He was seen as a fertility god. He was another god of, of Asher. He's talked about in the Bible. In the Bible. But um, again, something has changed. And well, Yahweh, as we've determined, is, is a jealous god. And he doesn't want anyone else... Um, worshipping his brother but he acknowledges Baal exists or Baal as it was pronounced so let's go so let's move on to the the sort of um lesser divine beings angels the satan and the spirits and as i said the the satan was was a, an advisory um title as opposed to being an actual being. And part of the heavenly council. But we'll talk a little bit about that. So so what so what were the these creatures? What were what are the um the 
the uh, the angels and so on. So they're, they're divine creatures, but not as powerful as the gods. Now we, when we, I guess when we remove the layer of having that layer of um, the other gods and we just conflate Yahweh and El, the angels move up a notch and they become something far greater than they originally were. They originally... Angels were just, you know, they, they were the workers of the gods. They went and did the dirty work. There, were, there was nothing more that they were messengers or they'd go and clean up a mess or something like that. They weren't what they have become in the modern context now. The Satan was there simply to challenge the gods. A lesser divine being, but a divine being anyway. You know, not not something that cowers in hell. Not you know, even even the idea of um, Lucifer. Um, Lucifer as a, as as an evil being didn't exist. The Satan wasn't even an evil being. They he was a challenger. You know, think of it as a court. You know, um, he was there to have the other gods think a little bit differently, challenge their thoughts. It's the classic. Um, there, there is always, in, in just about every culture, there is that one character. You know, in, in the Norse, there's, there's Loki. Again, Loki was not a god. Loki just kind of challenged things and challenged the way people thought, but no less a divine being. And then there were other spirits, and then we they, we talk about the other spirits. Um, uh, uh, it, it was a general term of you know some sort of uh, divine being, not not angel or or, or God, or um, but we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that in a minute. So we get onto the divine council. So the divine council was presided over by El. And we know about the, the, the divine council. If we look at Psalm 82, 1 to 8, it says, God presided over the divine assembly. He renders judgment among the gods. Not God, not among the people, not among the heavenly host. The gods. How long will you judge unjustly and show partially of the wicked? Defend the cause of the weak and the fatherless. Uphold the rights of the afflicted and oppressed. Rescue the weak and the needy and save them from the hand of the wicked. And then it goes on to say, I have said, you are gods. El says, you are gods. You are all sons of the Most High. <laughs> I mean, he, he says it right there in, in the Bible. But he then goes on to say, but like mortals, you will die and like rulers, you will fall. Arise, O God, and judge the earth for all the nations and your inheritance. But he make, but El makes it clear that um, the divine heavenly council are gods. They're not angels. They're not spirits. They are gods just like him. And it goes on to, and if we look at First Kings twenty two nineteen to twenty two, um, 
he goes on to to talk about one of the the meetings. Um, Messiah continued, Therefore hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the host of heaven standing by him on his right and his left side. And the Lord said, Who will entice Ahab to march up and fall? And one suggested this, and one, another suggested that. Then a Elohim, a God, came forward, stood before the Lord, and said, I will entice him. By what means, asked the Lord. And then he goes on to talk about how um, he, this God um, will go and uh, te- will put lies in his mouth. And, and El says, that's great, that's fine, go ahead and do that. So, and, and this goes back to what I was saying. Just because God said he is the only God doesn't mean that it's true. So I think we've established that there were, there were multiple gods and traces of that still sit within um, the, the Hebrew Bible and you can read it there today. I mean, not all of it has been expunged. It's just sitting there. But how did we get from there, from polytheism to monotheism? Well, it was a, a process If we think of it this way, um, the Israelites worshipped Yahweh and they were aware of El. And if we think of it that there were two, maybe more tribes merging together, when you start merging their, their favorite God, Yahweh, and they, they start exalting him above all others, which the Bible tells us they did. You then move him up and um, uh, promote him to the top job. And then conflating Yahweh with El. In fact, God even says it. He even says that he there was El, but he's now known as Yahweh. But you also know that there are other gods. So you move from this polytheism, because you're moving into worshipping this one single god, and you move here, over here, to uh, Mololantri, which means you worship one God, but you acknowledge that there are others. And when you've conflated those, when you've moved out the heavenly host or the heavenly advisory council, Yahweh has been conflated with El. It doesn't take much. Oops to then think, well, particularly, particularly when you have a, um, a, a priestly caste 
who are predominantly male. At some, at some stage, they, I mean, they had priestesses, but um, in 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 earlier translations, they talk about the priestesses in the in, in the in the um, temple, but in later translations, they have changed it from being priestesses to temple prostitutes. So when you have a priestly class that has been taken over predominantly by males, it's not long before you want to start removing the divine feminine. And it's been done before. And it's essentially what happens is, and we saw that progression in the references to Asherah, going from Yahweh and his Asherah, to being, don't worship Asherah, because that makes me mad. And then you move. It's not too hard. Once, once you've then demonized Asherah, and you then start talking about, and as we said, as we saw, God says, don't create these idols and don't invite the spirits of the other gods into those idols. Later on, it's talking about don't create those idols and invite demons into them. So you're then changing the way you perceive the other gods. And it's very easy for it to slip into monotheism. You destroy the other gods, you erase the, the wife of, uh, of God, and then you end up with one single god. But what you had was a continual, and, and the fact that they had to keep saying, don't worship Asherah, don't worship Asherah, this makes God angry. The fact that they had to do that was it was, people did not want to let go of the divine feminine. And you see that, it, it, it's, it's in every culture you have the divine male and the divine feminine. But somewhere along the way, we move to a monotheistic society. Which brings me along to uh, the very last part, which is the Christianity problem, the polytheism in Christianity. So the monotheism of, um, of, of the, 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 the um, Judaism or the Judaistic belief system um, is relatively young in comparison to the rest of the beliefs. You know, if you look at it in in, in um, context, the the worship of Yahweh and or Yahweh slash El and Asherah has a much longer history than just the the worship of of singular Yahweh. And when Christ came along and, um, uh, or Jesus came along and the virgining Christianity starts to crop up, as this new religion came about, all of a sudden the divine feminine dropped, uh, uh, pushed her head up above the parapet. But they also had the problem of who was Jesus? You know, Jesus talks about, Jesus 
talks about being the son of man. But there is a component of divinity. And as soon as you start saying that Jesus is divine, the whole idea of monotheism starts to come crashing down. So they went back to try and justify Jesus as a divine being, as part of God. And all of a sudden, you could ju- they could just find all these references to God and the divine spirit and all this sort of stuff. So it doesn't, wouldn't, so they were able to come up with this idea of the Holy Trinity. But they also had the divine feminine still bleeding through. You had the worship or the, the veneration of Mary, the mother of God, who, for all intents and purposes, is also uh, seems a divine being without sin, um, never died, gave birth to a divine being. And the reason that I brought this in, although this is slightly different to what we were talking about, it just seems to me that there is some innate draw of humanity to a more polytheistic um, version of the divine. But for whatever reason, we keep going back to monotheism. But... If you scratch the surface just a little bit and you start looking at these quotes that are still in the Bible without even having to go to earlier, earlier translations, going back to um, these snippets that have been found, the clay tablets, the, the bits on pottery and things like that, even if you don't want to do that, just looking at the Bible, it is clear, very clear to me, and this is my opinion, that the Bible knows and talks about other gods. And the God of the Bible is just one of many.